0: Every week, we do a QA and a with interesting and accomplished members of the adaptive community to find how they persevered, how they innovated, how they built communities, and how they found solutions. Welcome to the Name Tags Chat Podcast. Welcome to the Name Tags Chat Podcast. Today, we are with Susanna Scaroni, who is entering her third Paralympics this year. So London, Rio, and then headed to Tokyo in a month or so. I mean, it should be pretty soon, right? So been one of the top marathoners in the world for a long time, holds the American record in the marathon, one hour, 30 minutes and 41 seconds. So that's one hour, 31, 30 minutes and 41 seconds, which is really fast, has a 10K world best, is a graduate research assistant in the vision of, nu- of nutrition science and nutrition and exercise performance laboratory sports dietitian. Wow. Okay. And wants to be a sports dietitian. Uh, So great stuff. Also first at the trials in the 1500 in the 5k, second in the 800, but then also another big one, an international one where you won the 5k at the WPA Grand Prix in Switzerland this summer, which is one of the fastest tracks, if not the fastest track in the world that attracts everybody. So you are making a huge switch to some track stuff. Welcome, Susanna, and let's, uh, let's get to it. How, how have you sort of changed from being a marathoner? You've done most you've done some track events at the Paralympics, but most of your, your better results have been in the marathon but all of a sudden you are asserting yourself in the track events. What happened? Where where did this come from?
1: Hey, well, thanks for asking. I think um, boiling it down, it could probably be attributed to the fact that I'm a very, very slow learner. Um, I've always been that way. I have to spend a lot of time, um, you know, painstakingly learning things. Um, but one thing that I, do have is a love of pushing my racing chair. So I think, you know, that sort of foundation that I have worked really well in the marathon. I could enter that event um, and I was intrinsically motivated to like push as hard as I could for as long as possible. And that's pretty, you know, it's it's a good baseline in a marathon to have that. Um, And, you know, fortunately I just have like the right arm length, I have some things going for me, I have a great training group, that helps me do really well, you know, in comparing myself to the world. But I would honestly say to talk about, like we, we talked earlier about how track skills and marathon skills do translate back and forth to one another. But um, I really have noticed, you know, that there was there were things on the track that I was just not very good at. And those mainly were rolling accelerations and getting off the start line quickly. So I realized that, you know, I, I need to work on those. And I was very diligent at my goals throughout the last few years to make each of those a goal. And then, you know, every morning at practice, our brilliant coach, Adam Lickney, sets us up in scenarios that give us opportunities to do those skills, whether we think about it or not. So I try to be very diligent at practice to think about rolling accelerations and um, you know, standing start mechanics or climbing mechanics, things that give you a little bit of um, an edge on the track when it comes to like a final 200 meter to 400 meter sprint.
0: Well, and, and the thing is, how did you approach that? Because I, I watched your 800 From 2016, from Rio. So the 800 meter Mm -hmm. final. And it probably would be generous to say that your start was not good. Yeah. There. Oh my gosh. That's
1: the nicest thing you could ever say. It was literally the worst race, maybe the worst race of my life that day in Rio. (laughs) And so while I would not say in any, you know, fake, you know, trying to make myself feel better because of the Paralympics, that was just a bad race. Um, However, I do, and it taught me a lot because I realized how long the call time is at the Paralympics and how between my great warmup I had for the 800 and then the hour that I sat in the call room in Rio, to the jelly arms that I had after that. I I now am going at least into Tokyo knowing that I'm expecting that. I'm gonna try to be better in the call room about not having jelly arms. But a little bit of it was that. The other part of it was that I was really bad at sprinting that long in the (laughs) 800.
0: That's, I mean, your point about the call room is a big thing and that's something that we don't see when we're watching it on television. When we think, oh, you just, you show up and you run But you have no idea that that you can be stuck. You can be stuck in your racing chair in the call room, which racing chair, you'd much rather push for that hour that you were sitting there. It's you're you're less comfortable sitting there than you would be pushing. And then they, you know, you get out on the track, and this is the you know, biggest moment of your life in a lot of ways, right? And it's like, okay, do one lap and then and then come back and and go at it. So yes. So it sounds like you're looking at the starts you're, you're you're planning for the starts but then how do you plan for that time in between that interim where you just don't feel great and don't feel normal.
1: Yeah. Well, my plan is going to be to push around like no matter what it's going to take um, whether it's in my racing chair or in my day chair if I can bring my day chair in I am this time going to like, make sure I am moving my arms in any way that I can, because um, that was so bad. It was just, and you know, it was naive, um, just to think, to not, to not notice it. I had been racing for so long up to that point, but it was so evident when I got out there. I was like, oh my gosh, I've never sat that long. Even in marathons, you're on the line for a while and it hurts, but you have, you don't have to go, you know, fall to the wall in the first 10 strokes and then hold that for the next two laps like you do in an 800.
0: <laughs> it, it is so, the shock. It's the shock yeah. of, it's the shock of going to a big event. And I think that's the, that's sometimes the hardest part, isn't it? That, that, that you think that, you know, you, you just get overwhelmed by the differences and the differences are so yeah. different than, I mean, which is, which is funny to think, because if you do like a regional track meet, you could conceivably do the 100, the 200, the 400, the 800, the 1500, the 5,000, maybe even a 10,000 all yeah. in the same day. Yeah. And it's kind of back to back. And that in some ways is easier than getting stuck in the call room and doing nothing before you yeah. come into you know thousands, tens of thousands of people who are screaming for you in Rio. You won't have tens of thousands of people screaming for right. you unfortunately right. in Tokyo. But How about on the start side? How do you do that? I mean, you said that Adam, Adam gives you guys. You do starts, or or are you doing drills at the beginning of practice, or how does yeah, exactly what, what are you doing specifically, and how is that working?
1: Um, we do, yeah. Every morning we'll have a warm up, and then we do standing starts. So whether because we don't, I mean, Adam doesn't have us do standing start workouts all the time. A lot of the times we do a, a rolling workout, like a workout off of a rolling start. Um, but he builds in standing starts into the warm up so that you're given that opportunity. And I visualize myself at the start line in each one I do. Um, and then I like to use my speedometer um, during standing starts because even if we're only doing like 10 strokes, I am so bad at starts historically that I'm like, I need to like see what style is fastest in 10 strokes. So I try to just be like really in tune to what I'm doing.
0: And you have some great teammates as well. So oh, are yeah. are you doing these standing starts or are you doing them independently? Or are you doing them as a group? Are you yeah. able to match yourself against Tatiana McFadden or somebody like that who, who gets out yeah. of this, out of, you
1: know, gets off the line pretty well, you yeah. know? Right. She does. Exactly. And I do, I, we're out there together. So I am really, I look, I look at others. Um, but then I also realize in wheelchair racing that, you know, part of the coolness of this sport is that it's, it's very individual in how you make your racing chair go as fast as you can make it. So I take that into account, but I also, I watch her and I'm just like, man, that hand speed is insane. And I try and, figure so yeah, out if that's my style or if someone with less muscle mass than she has is like a longer style better. Um, I sort of play between those and watch my speedometer and see what's better.
0: Which is great. And the thing is, especially in an in an 800, in a 1500, in a 5k even, you, you want to be able to start well enough to be in the pack and to place yourself in the pack well enough that then you have then you can use your strategy as opposed to chasing the whole time and then trying to trying to sprint off of your chase, which effectively you're just running a time trial then. And it's not really, you're not benefiting from any of the draft or anything like that. And so it looks like based on what you've done at trials though, that you've, that you've cracked the nut to a certain extent, as far as your starts are concerned. I
1: definitely made a lot of improvement. I made improvements Um, for sure. So I, I can't say, I don't know, um, you know, compared to the rest of the world, um, whether my start in the 800, 800 is the one I would be most concerned about in the start. Um, that's the one that can be fast, although at the games, races aren't always that fast. So I think it'll be up to people like Tatiana to really like set the standard at the start, whether they want to go hard and use that that skill of theirs or not. And I could see it going either way.
0: So Tatiana Um, will be in the 800 with you. Who is the other American who will be in the 800? Um,
1: It'll be Amanda.
0: Amanda, okay.
1: Amanda, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Which is great. Um, So the three of you have trained together so much. I
1: I know, exactly.
0: It's it's super yeah. helpful that way, and and also you'll have Adam there as a coach yeah. who will be helpful in in creating a strategy that will be beneficial for for all of you guys. So that'll be yeah, exactly. I, I'm interested to see what you guys are going to do. I, you don't have to tell me what you're going to do, but I'm excited to see what you're going to do because the three of you are just so are so talented and so strong, and and we got yeah you know, with with the 1500 and the 5k in Rio, we got a little bit spoiled, right? Watching.
1: Oh my gosh. I know they were just US incredible. U of yes. <laughs> yeah.
0: I get chills, like just, just thinking about it right now. So I'm hoping, I'm hoping that there's more of that, that that's coming yeah. because it'll be the three of you, I assume as well in the, in the 1500 and the 5k, right?
1: Yeah. Yep. Yep. It'll be me, Tatiana and Jenna, Jenna. in those events. Yeah. Okay.
0: Right. Exactly. Perfect. So, what do do you have? Do you have any ex- expectations as you're as you're approaching Tokyo? Are you allowed to give yourself expectations? Are there Are they? And some of it. Let's talk about. Well, talk. Let's do those, and then we'll talk about marathon versus track as well, just because they're such different sports. Almost sometimes.
1: Yeah. Um, Yeah, so I would say for the track, I, like, I do know, um, you know, based on where people were at trials or where people were in Switzerland, and not everybody in the world was there either. You know, I know that I have progressed, and that's great. I feel happy about that. But I still know, this is one thing I also have from experience, just like, there's so much strategy that goes on at the games. Um, like you said, with the mix sweep, they were really able to leverage the ability to work together and things like that. And I, I don't nearly, I don't have really that much experience when it comes to strategic races. I'm my favorite style is a time trial kind of race, and we get to do that a lot because we have to try to get an A standard every year. Um, but I rarely, I'm rarely, you know, working to get a one, two, three, or you know. A one even i could i could care less if i win a race when i get an a standard for you know national team status so i um i'm just trying to which is
0: third in the world though i mean to get an a standard exactly. means that you're effectively third in, matching the exactly. third best time in the world so that's a big deal. yeah that's yeah. a
1: big deal and that's a big tool to have like what like the way i have to think about it is um strategies or you know speed or finishing or starting like those are all different tools you can have in your toolbox and I think I have more tools this year so I would just like to you know learn from this experience um so I'll be in very strategic races where I'd like to use the right tool at the right time um so that's sort of my expectation is just um, try to learn a lot from these races because I think there's things I, I'm, I've never I, I haven't done much of
0: well it's interesting because you talk about the time trialing aspect of it in cycling they call that the race of truth right you can't hide anything if you're time trialing like you are yeah. either fit or you are not fit so the fit part you have under control for the most part you are fit
1: exactly exactly
0: do you enjoy the idea of of the strategy i mean it's interesting we talked to daniel earlier and he doesn't sound as excited about the (laughs) strategy side of things it almost you know whereas there are other people who love the strategy side of things
1: right exactly you know i'm very much with daniel um it's my nature is just really i like i like that being the measuring stick like you know who can do the fastest 1500 meter, like let's make them like the, the, the 1500 meter gold medalist, but that's not the way a race is. So I'm not like mad at it, but it's really who can come across the line first. And those are so different, especially in wheelchair racing. Um, yeah, so I definitely prefer, you know, what I know. Cause I said, like I said, I don't have as much experience strategic, um, track racing. So, it's always normally easier to stay in a comfort zone. So, But I'm not afraid of it completely. I'm, like I said, I wanna learn. And I just, I'm glad I have some more tools to hopefully be able to to get some good experience at least, good learning experience. And hopefully it will serve me well.
0: What did you do in the 5K in Switzerland? So, So you won the 5K in Switzerland. So you had Tatiana in the race, right? You had Manuela mm-hmm. in the race. Mm-hmm. Uh, I there, there are a couple other really yes. strong women who were in that race and you were the one who crossed the finish line first. I'm assuming, I couldn't find it online, so I didn't get a chance to watch it. Uh, but I'm assuming that you didn't time trial it and just go off the front on your own. Yeah,
1: although I will say it was pouring rain in that race. So there's a huge caveat to how, you know, Tatiana and Invala performed in that race because you had that wrench to people's strengths and weaknesses. Um,
0: Well, you might see that in Tokyo, though, too.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I think, you know, um, at that point, it was just like persevere because it was cold rain, too. It wasn't even warm, um, which is really rough. And so I um, I just tried to squeeze like hard so I, you wouldn't slip as much and then stay in there. And like it did show, like some people just didn't want to have to do that the whole time. Like Tatiana had to pull out um, of the race because she was slipping. Um, and then- describe,
0: describe to people what slipping means, like why rain is such a big issue in wheelchair racing.
1: I think the best analogy to think about is um, if you think about running on ice, because our gloves are, they have a rubber surface and then our hand rims have a rubber surface. And so if you add water into that, um, you can just get, you know, very little friction that you're able to generate. And so it's kind of like running on ice where you're just like, if you go slowly, maybe you can move forward. But if you go too quickly, you might just like literally slip and fall. Um, and so there's ways to kind of mitigate that with some sticky substances. You can put on your gloves, your hand rings, um, or sandpaper. But I didn't use anything in that race. And um, mostly because I knew use I was anything. racing. Really? The next... No. Um, but that's because I knew I was racing. Ooh, I'm so sorry. Maybe it's my, I'm not sure if my connection is bad, but.
0: Oh, am I frozen? Can you hear me I
1: now? can see you. No, I mean, you were okay. a moment ago, or maybe I was, but um, anyways, yes, I didn't use anything in that race, but that's partly because I knew I had, you know, two more track meets worth of racing to do. And so I didn't want to have um, like sticky gloves the next day if I didn't have to. And so I was like, well, I'm not worried about getting an A standard in the 5,000, when it's pouring down rain and 40 degrees. So I'm just gonna try and you know persevere in it. Um but I wasn't slipping at that badly. I didn't need to pull out. Um wow. I just try to squeeze more. Yeah.
0: That is that is super impressive that you that you weren't slipping because it I mean as you say running on ice that's what it feels like. And the end result is often these slash uh, cuts on the inside of your inside of your upper elbow and which yeah. really don't feel very good at all because you slip and then your then your arm runs into the push ring which is a tire that is glued onto your push ring so basically it's like a little saw that just continually saws at your arm so exactly that's, that's pretty impressive that you that you were able to you were able to do it without that so 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 it, it, in some ways it's kind of like a an anomaly this this race it, it's almost like there's the confidence based on it but it but it sounds like there were so many factors that went into it that it's not necessarily like you're saying oh yes i know exactly how i can beat those women in the 5000
1: exactly exactly i have um in fact my I'm more on the lines of thinking, you know, I don't know how anyone's going to be doing, and I'm sure they're going to be doing really well, and so I'm going to try to, you know, um, know what tools I have and then see how the race goes. I'm not going to time trial it, though. I'm certainly not going to time trial it. (laughs) That Unless I'm out there with Manuela and we just, you know, go crazy, because she's someone that could probably time trial it, but
0: That 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 would be shocking, and sometimes you just have to shock the pack, and then play the game to see if you can get there. If they can catch you before you get to the finish line,
1: I know exactly. It makes it super exciting. Yeah, no kidding. No kidding. But
0: a little worrisome for you, I would imagine, and a whole lot of work.
1: I was going to say it's it's also boring to do a slow five k. So. I wouldn't be completely unopposed to some action happening. <laughs> I hate when they go super slow, which they go super slow a lot. <laughs> uh,
0: this is funny. So this for you is that there's a battle against the uh, against your competitors, but then a battle against yourself in terms of like your instinct to go out. And I just want to go as fast as I possibly can. And yes. And if they're slowing you down tactically to be able to like, okay, it's okay. It's okay. Just relax. You'll get to go faster later. Is is that- bad?
1: 100%. (laughs) Adam (laughs) joked with me this year because I needed to have a better, you know, patience about being in a draft because I will be the one that goes out on the side because I'm like, this feels so slow in here. And there are some skills you can, you know, gain by working up being in a draft. So I try to do that sometimes. But really, I just like it so much that I, I don't do it very often.
0: Which is funny, I'm imagining that Adam is giving you some of the math as well, right? If that if you're if you're going out in lane two, this means you're going what, like <laughs> yeah. six meters further. So you're going yeah. much further than anybody else. So, and you're not getting it the benefit of any draft. So you're working that much harder. I'm sure, Adam has, has formulas to to tell you exactly oh, what yeah. is going on,
1: but exactly. still. <laughs> yeah, I don't recommend it. I just, it's like you said, it's a battle with myself. I'm like, and there's a time to do it and there's a time not to do it. And the games is a time where it's not to do it. <laughs>
0: are you winning that battle right now or do you have to get back to me in a month or so?
1: Um, well, I'm not at the games right now. So <laughs> I've been doing my own style. <laughs> Probably my daily victories where I get to like really enjoy practice. Um, and I'm just hoping that, you know, I've, I've been in drafts enough times in my life that I'll be like, I'll be able to be right back in there and it'll be fine. <laughs>
0: are, are you sure? I mean, I'm, I'm looking at the body language here. You you look like you're, you, you look super conflicted. You know, I'm seeing the body language of like, yeah, I'm, I'm giving you the right answer, <laughs> but I don't know if I really believe it or if I want to believe it.
1: Oh yeah, no, I am every single day, you can ask anyone here, I am the one that immediately gets outside of the draft because I'm like, oh, I don't want to be in there. <laughs> so because it that, slows you
0: down, or because, yeah. or because of the discomfort of like being that close to people.
1: No, just because it slows you down. I feel like there's like a, you're like trapped. <laughs> Okay, I like it. Uh, I know. I told Tatiana this actually this year that I think my like dream job or dream position would be like a marathon pacer, where I could like someone needs to go this pace, like they could just drop behind me, and I could like take them to that pace.
0: (laughs) That is funny. That that would be that that's that's not a job that a lot of people want. I know. Like I, I'm definitely not one of those people who would want that job. I, I would be looking for I would be looking for you to be doing your yeah. job, and i be like, oh yeah, and like Susanna, you look great up there. Keep going. Yeah. Like I, I'm just gonna stay here in your draft. That that would be that would be my that would be my hope is to do the exact opposite of what you do. Yeah, but that's yeah, that's I yeah. We we have a different skill set. I I think I started and accelerated well, and that might have been all I did well you know. <laughs> hey,
1: that's a skill that I don't have that well. So I appreciate that a lot. I think that's amazing.
0: I think that there is a part of that, that, but I, I appreciate your strength and your endurance and your ability to persevere, which is just, which to me is, is sort of the definition of, of a true athlete. But then there are always those people who who are so good at being in the, in the draft and then accelerating off the draft and it looks like they're boxed in and then they can get out of that box and it's super exciting. And
1: I, oh, I, I know. really respect those people too. Exactly. I 100% agree. So um, yeah, I know that I won't be trying out to using my strength at the game because I um, that's not the time for it. I'm a, i am know that at least. You know, like you said, every single person behind me will be able to come around. Um, and I can go as fast as I want in the warm up. (laughs) So I, um, I'm just going to have to, you know, suck it up during the race.
0: (laughs) You're going to have to scratch that itch somewhere else, you know, on the practice track, you can go as fast as you want. And then, then you have to behave yourself and be a tactician when you get on the actual stadium track. Will the marathon afford you the opportunity to indulge more of who you are?
1: Yes, that's why I'm glad you asked. Because I think when I saw that course, I was like, oh, my gosh, this is cool. Because, yeah, the other races turned into track races. Like Rio was a 5K loop. And so, you know, I pulled a lot of that course that day and I was happy. But I only got nearly last. Um and uh because it makes no sense to do that (laughs) but this race it's so technical so there's like three hairpin loops there's um pretty significant downhill there's an uphill all those things are going to separate the group and so there's going to be a great opportunity to you know use my true strength which is my maximal aerobic speed (laughs) and you know try to hang on to that and just make gains when hopefully some people are trying, are, you know, slowing down.
0: What, so where, where do you make your moves? I mean, not, not asking you where you'll make your move in the, in the race, but you said the hairpin turns, uh, the uphills. Are are there a fair number of, of actual regular turns? I mean, 90 degree turns and things like that.
1: Um, there are some, not too many, but there are. Okay. Yeah, um, it's, it's relatively straight though when we're not hairpin looping, there's some long straight waves. Um, so I don't know. I think um, I just try to take a good line um, and try to hold a pretty high speed. Um, those are my two, yeah, plans going into it. And than that, I need to make sure. I would like to, you know, with some people as well because it is going to be hard it's going to be hot and so i think you know conserving energy in a draft even though i don't love it as much if i i know we'll all be working hard and when you share the burden i don't mind it as much it's just um and if it's for you know an hour and 45 minutes i don't mind it as much either <laughs> um right. you're given a lot of opportunities to pull in a marathon if you're someone like me who will pull so uh I don't mind taking turns.
0: And, and you will you be okay if the pack drops it down to 12 miles an hour on the flat or something?
1: I will, unless you know there's someone ahead of us that we need right. to catch. <laughs> um, you know, my wallet is gonna just annihilate this course. And so I, I think it's important for all of us to either not let her get too big of a gap or to you know realize, okay, we're going for second place then. And then we can go 12 miles per hour if that's what you really want to go. Um, but I, I have bridged a lot in my life, and it definitely wears you out. Um, definitely. And the people does. with you haven't done as much of it.
0: Right. Exactly. And so, so skills-wise, I mean, you you have a big, fairly big downhill going down. How is your yeah. how how do you descend?
1: Um, I would say. Average, like, cause I, um, I don't, I'm not, I don't weigh that much, but I, um, I can descend pretty well. Um, but I have like, I get past in a lot of downhills. Um, my last marathon, OIDA, I got just annihilated by Manuela and by, um, oh, her name, she's a Japanese athlete. Um, she's so nice. uh just like annihilate on the downhill so I I wouldn't say I'm a great defender
0: right so you have that and the turns and then you're actually you come back and that downhill that you went down you return on that downhill and I'm imagining that that uphill is a little bit more of your of your strength
1: yeah yeah for sure
0: and that's at the end if you're close enough to be able to bridge any gaps or if you're close enough exactly. to be able to move exactly
1: exactly yeah. so yeah it'll it'll depend on who you're with um and like I said I still think this course could separate people mm-hmm. um which you know is kind of beneficial in some ways because yeah if you're kind of less good at a certain skill if at least you're ahead of them at that point you just try to like maximize every inch that you have ahead of a person um or if you're behind you're trying to make gains where you're really good and then maybe you know you can actually make up some good ground
0: exactly and and you said that that is different than than a bunch of the other race a bunch of the other paralympics i mean even back to like beijing i mean i think beijing was like dead flat like okay. not a hill in the course and then come do 400 meters around the track at the finish and I think I think the men had a had a you know had a pack of like 30 or something like that I mean it was something yeah.
1: it was crazy yeah and I'm sure many of those guys were just literally sitting there just like not trying that hard and it just came down to a sprint at the end and um it was like that in Rio so yeah um, I don't think that'll happen in this course So I'm excited for that. And I have five days after the track event before the marathon. So hopefully can just, um, yeah, re just like reset and be ready.
0: Nice. So how did this all start for you? I mean, you're at the University of Illinois. You've been a three-time parallel. Oh, you will be a three-time Paralympian within a month. How did, how did you get into this? I mean, it sounds like there's a huge love for the racing chair. Was it always the case?
1: Um, Well, I, so I learned about adaptive sports in fourth grade, um, when I went to a sports expo, um, through Shrener's hospital and the year before that, I was like, Every other third grader in my school who gets to play basketball for the first time, I was like, oh my gosh, yes, it's finally time to play basketball. Um, And then I started playing basketball with my classmates and I was like, oh my gosh, I use a wheelchair. Like that was literally the first time I think I realized I was in a wheelchair because I was so included in everything in my tiny little school, Um, but I hated it. I was like, I felt so patronized because people had to pass me the ball once, I was the slowest. I was like, I'm never doing this ever again. That was horrible. Um, and then when I found out about wheelchair basketball, I was like, no, definitely not. But my mom forced me to go. Um, and that I still remember that first practice. Cause I was like, Oh, this is what basketball is like. We're literally just playing basketball right now. And I was having the best time of my life. Everyone else used a wheelchair and we had drills and we were working on skills. And, um, You earned the basketball if you got it. So that really, I think, I don't know if it was so pronounced for me because of my previous experience, just like realizing how empowering it is to have an active sports as an option. But um, I was in love. So that spring when they were like, okay, track practice is starting, I begged to be able to go to track practice as well. And um, I have remembered always loving being in my racing chair. You know, when I graduated high school, I had hoped and planned to go to U of I. Um, I was accepted, but the out-of-state tuition was so expensive that uh, my mom would not let me come. And so I had an academic scholarship to Carroll College in Montana. Mm -hmm. And I love Montana. So I ended up going there. And because I couldn't play basketball um, by myself, I had my racing chair with me um and so I was pushing every day I didn't have a speedometer back then I was just pushing because I loved it and my chemistry professor who was a runner he introduced me to math my run he's like yeah you can find out how far you've gone if you're interested and this was like my second year and it turned out I was going to like 22 mile for like 22 mile pushes after I looked at that and so I think you know I truly just have an enjoyment and be my racing chair I love it I love quarantine I just got to push when I wanted to and even if we weren't training together like I wasn't faced by that I loved it and so I think it's just who I am you know
0: wow so just the love and so you just go out like in when you're a carol you just go out and just go push and would you say I'm I'm going for a couple of hours or or did you not put any any constraints on it?
1: I didn't really put constraints on it. I love the scenery out there. So I had just, you know, there was a lot of open road and I would just go on it. Looking back, I think I would be terrified now. I'm like, man, I didn't tell anyone where I was going. I didn't have a cell phone with me. I um there weren't really constraints. I didn't even know how long I was going for. I think I was just going, I was just kind of like, so like, oh my gosh, that looks really pretty over there. I think I'll go that way. Um, I'm still like that. I notice a lot of things when we're training and um, yeah. Yeah. It's definitely something about who I am.
0: And the thing is, I mean, you're competing right now, but you'll, You'll never stop. It sounds yeah.
1: like yeah. No, I I am an athlete. I like that likes training more than racing. So I have no worries as long I mean, and you know, I I love other activities too. Like I love swimming. I think that retirement doesn't scare me, I guess, is what I would say. Cause I think right. I'm always gonna do it. I don't think there will be, I guess there won't be a retirement, which is probably why it doesn't scare me. I'm just gonna enjoy you know, pushing, which wherever I am, whether I'm training for something or not.
0: What does it do for you? Like, what's the feeling or the connection or what, I, what is?
1: I think, you know, over the, like, throughout my grad school career, I realized that, you know, I, um, a lot of things stress me out. Um, that I, like, they really, they're really related to grad school for, for the most part. But what I have found to be one of the most, like, helpful tools is meditating. And I notice when I'm training that it's so easy for me to be in the moment that I can, like, really, you know, notice what I'm doing, um, try to work on my stroke, make it as efficient as possible and economical as possible. And I think that it's probably just always served as this way for me to just shut out life and, and hopefully in a healthy way. Um, I, I don't think I've been, you know, escaping it. I just think it's this opportunity to really relax and um, be in the moment, which meditation also makes me feel that way, so.
0: So training is is a form of meditation for you is what you're saying?
1: Yeah yeah, I realized that once I learned about meditation, I realized that I do a lot of similar things when I'm training.
0: And do you have a sense of of peace and fulfillment and happiness when you finish training, kind of like finishing a meditation?
1: I do. I do. I mean, unless that's the problem, unless I've been like stuck in a draft and I'm just like the whole time I'm like <laughs> I'm like oh my gosh this is killing me so yeah I think that's literally it I just, I'm just i not in my like, people like then when I even had draft which is bad there could wow. be ways for me to do it if I were to just be more mindful about it because um, that's the thing part of it is like I like the feeling of yeah like working and you know, it being challenging. I think I like the challenging part and then trying to make that feel like easier and easier, but not too easy. I want it to feel challenging, but I like it to be like more efficient, I guess.
0: That is, that is awesome. Now you probably have to talk to Adam and see if you can get him to like To like check out your brain waves and stuff like that, like the you know the whole like meditation side of like repatterning your brain and you know collecting your free radicals and all that stuff and everything and see if you get that benefit out of out of out of a training, which unless those people are in front of you and you have to be behind them, then
1: (laughs) doesn't work. Exactly. Exactly.
0: That is, wow. And is, so is that really what attracted you to the marathon is that it, it really is just sort of this, this long race and it's you against the course more so than it is in a lot of other races.
1: Yes, I am so glad you said that. I've written that before. That, and that's what I really value about challenging courses. Like New York City Marathon course is so hard that you can't sit in a draft in it. It's that course, like I said, that course forces you to overcome it. And for me, I love that. I'm like, oh yeah, this is gonna be a true demonstration of what I have trained for, what my body can do out here. It's not gonna be, yeah, it's not gonna be focused on being behind somebody at the right moment so that I can win the race.
0: Right. And, and, and even, yeah. you've done that in New York as well with the 10k too, right? So the 10k around Central Park yeah. is kind of, is, is kind of similar too, in that it's just, yeah. it's so rolly and, but you've gone fast. You go 22, 22 there. Is that, and, yeah. and, did you, and did you go up that hill at the end of the park? Yeah,
1: Harlan Hill.
0: Harlem Hill, park. really? My. That's a, that's a I hill. I think
1: that's why I seriously, I seriously think that's why I'm pretty decent at the 10k is because I think it's one of those races you can time trial in our sport, at least in the women's field right now. Um, marathon, you can't really unless you're Manuela or Tot. They have both time trialed or Daniel marathons, but it's very rare to do that because the pack behind you is usually so good that they'll catch up to you. But a 10K, I've noticed at least that I can go my max effort for a 10K and, you know, I, I'm i not like going to kill myself for the end of the race. I can do that whole for a 10K. And I don't know. I don't think every athlete can do their max for a 10K.
0: I think you're probably right that, that most
1: yeah. can. So I think my one thing that I've gained from my love of training alone is being a 10K time trialer. <laughs> For whatever that's worth it's not worth very much but yeah
0: wow now you're also you're so you're getting your doctorate is that right
1: i am getting my master's master's and, but also my rd so with my resident my registered dietitian credential which is part of a master's program but i've been in my master's program for five years so it's a very like i'm like a i'm like a um a super 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 master <laughs> Um, but yeah, I start my dietetic internship. I'm I'm writing up my thesis now. And then I start my dietetic internship as soon as I get back from Tokyo. And after that, I will take a board exam next summer and hopefully pass that and become a registered dietitian.
0: Why did you go into diet and nutrition? Um,
1: so I learned the value of nutrition, especially for athletes because Because when I was in high school I definitely had a full-blown eating disorder and I remember clearly thinking that I needed to be smaller to go faster um and I compared myself to my other teammates and I was like in eighth grade and I didn't fit in my racing chair and I was like shattered by that not ever thinking that probably an eighth grader has grown or anything like that. I was just I remember thinking, oh my gosh, I need to do something about this. And so I had, um got to a very low point to where I developed a pressure sore um abscess when I was a junior in high school, and that turned into an entire year of bed rest. And yeah, wow. so and that was over the Beijing. Paralympic year, so I watched my teammates, you know, try out for Beijing, and I was at home on bed rest <laughs> watching that. And honestly, I could have still not—I still couldn't put together the, the relationship between nutrition and sports after that year. But my coach forced me to see a dietitian every week um, after my. I eventually had like a skin flap surgery and I did and you know begrudgingly because I was a senior at that point the goal was set for me that I needed to like become like 80 pounds in order to go to college that year so I did want to go to college and so I made that goal but the interesting thing was that I also got a lot faster (laughs) in my racing chair. And I felt a lot stronger. And I was like, I just remember thinking, oh my gosh, this is, there's something to this. And I, I feel ridiculous now, but I realized I had to learn sort of from the ground up the function of food um, for performance. And for me, that was what my brain needed to sell it, sell it to me was like, okay, if I can exercise, like I'm interested. <laughs> and so I you know, I learned how, how good you can feel when you have a good nutrition um, plan. And um, I, now that I'm studying through research, I realize there are so many ways and so many different ways that different athletes can use nutrition differently. And para-athletes is kind of this whole different realm um, that I am still fascinated by the field of nutrition, especially for athletes. And um, very passionate about exercise, and so I really think that whatever capacity I am a dietitian in the future, um, linking the two together will be like what my spiel is, because everyone needs their skeletal muscle to be, you know, optimal and to be able to help them, you know, live their daily lives. And I think skeletal muscle is such a metabolic tissue that nutrition um, becomes your friend.
0: Wow. Now, did you did you say that you had to get up to eighty pounds in order to go to college?
1: Yeah, it was. Yeah, I know. Wow.
0: I wanted yeah. to make sure that I heard that correctly.
1: Yeah, it was pretty bad. Yeah. What
0: What do you um, What do you weigh now? If I'm allowed to ask.
1: Yeah, no, you can totally ask. I now I'm like pretty steadily at like ninety five pounds, and um, I. Yeah, it's crazy to think that I've gained like 20 pounds since high school um, and I feel much better than I did. And um, yeah,
0: well, it's, it's an interesting thing. I mean, certainly where you talk about the, the training af- aspect of it, the fitness aspect of it, and that being such a, you know, such a passion For you the meditation the the wanting to make the challenges easier but not too easy because then they'd be boring if they were easy (laughs) but but then on the nutrition side in a lot of ways it's like you're you're going to a position where you're helping other people but it also sounds like you're you're serving yourself first in that that you have to cure yourself before you can help other people and you're your best example is that does that feel accurate to you
1: yeah, I think so. I think um, there, yeah, that in similar with racing, there's so many things that I've learned. Like I said at the very beginning, I'm a slow learner. I had to my entire high school, I had to like, you know, starve myself um, to learn the function of food, <laughs> and I had to be in Illinois for 11 years to try and like get a rolling acceleration. Um, but but I now know that I know what they are now. And I know how to like talk to people about them in like a sentence. I could try to hopefully save them years and years. But um, I do think experience is the best teacher. Um, And I try to like listen to people who are more experienced than I am with more weight now. I realized after I've gone to where I am, that they've learned things through experience that I haven't learned yet. And so even if you didn't experience the one thing that you think that they're telling you, they have probably done it so many times that they actually do know that that's true.
0: (laughs) Right, but you've also learned some of this stuff in, one, in a painful way, just how detrimental a a lack of nutrition can be, but then also how beneficial it can be as fuel to to yeah. push you in your in your other passion, and yeah, there are probably a lot of us out there who are who are hard headed, right? Who don't who think we have the the right answer, but but need some help getting pushed into the right direction. So I, I think that your experience is going to be super helpful for a lot of people, and nobody nobody can argue with you as well right just in terms of what you've done with your nutrition as well in terms of your performance
1: i i really think so um and if anything else too it could i think i've what i've learned as well um is that you know challenges are a very good thing and whether or they can be a very good thing and so to embrace that um you're you can come out of it with so much so with with much more beneficial tool um as long as you persevere through it exactly
0: no this is this is awesome i i i am so excited just to watch you in tokyo just to watch you in terms of in terms of the changes that you've made to your starts to your to your rolling acceleration which for a lot of people who are out there wondering what is rolling acceleration and and tell me if i'm wrong in this but but you essentially are somebody who really has has had one gear like go out and i'm going to go this speed all the time and and it's either that speed or it's stopped essentially where rolling acceleration is to be able to move and then and then be able to accelerate off of off of that movement so I'm excited to watch this, but then also excited to see what you're going to do.
1: Exactly.
0: And and affect the rest of the world in terms of in terms of nutrition, which we just know we're just in some ways we're just scratching the surface in terms of nutrition and sensitivities exactly. and microbiome and all of these yes. things. So you're going yes. into a super exciting field.
1: Oh, I know. Exactly. And and like I said skeletal muscle is kind of beneath a lot of people's goals because it's your daily life experience and nutrition is your skeletal muscle's best friend. Um, So I think, yeah, being able to hopefully make a difference and that nutrition doesn't have to be scary, but it can be a tool and it can help you live your best life.
0: That sounds awesome. Well, Susanna, thank you so much for joining us. I don't want to keep you from the lamb curry that, you are, <laughs> that, is, that is cooking in your in your kitchen. It I smells
1: nightmare. really good, I have to say. <laughs> it's
0: hard to maintain concentration, I would imagine. But thank you so much for joining us. This is absolutely awesome, and good luck in Tokyo.
1: Thank you so much for having me. This was wonderful.
0: Good. Well, I'm glad you enjoyed it. Thank you to all of you for listening. I know that we had a few glitches along the way, but if you want to watch the, it in its entirety, please go to the One Revolution page. This will be archived there along with all of the other ones that we've done. And per usual, we will go in and edit this and we'll publish it to Spotify and Apple and YouTube and all the other suspects of people who publish uh, podcasts. So the greatest gift, the greatest uh, compliment that you can pay us is telling your friends, is liking us and following us. We'll continue to have great content. So So please come join us. And Susanna, again, great luck. And thanks again.
1: Thank you. Bye.
0: Bye.